Well, a big thank you to Melissa for reading those two chapters of Isaiah for us this morning. And I can stand here and confidently say that I don't think anybody who's watching this uh, will have uh, written a Mother's Day card for today or, or any card for anybody uh, recently and turn to Isaiah 34 uh, for inspiration of, for, for a Bible verse to, to stick in there. Can you imagine uh, reading or receiving a, a card? Uh, and in it, it says, their slain will be thrown out, their dead bodies will stink, the mountains will be soaked with their blood. Can you imagine me writing a Mother's Day card to my mum? Dear, dear mum, happy Mother's Day. Thanking God for you today. The sword of the Lord is uh, bathed in blood, it is covered in fat. The blood of lambs and goats, fat from the kidneys of rams, for the Lord as a sacrifice in Bosra. And a great slaughter in the land of Edom. Lots of love, Tom. Let's be honest. Isaiah 34 is a hard chapter for us to hear. It's a hard chapter to read. It's a chapter of the Bible that tells us that God's judgment is coming. And it might feel very tempting to want to skip over or to speed through, or even maybe to scribble out a chapter like Isaiah 34. After all, don't we want to get to the joy that's spoken of in Isaiah 35? Because if Isaiah 34 says judgment is coming, Isaiah 35 says that joy is coming. But the thing is, we need to keep both of those things together at the same time. In our previous weeks, in this section of Isaiah, we have seen God's people 2,700 years ago uh, living under their king Hezekiah with the Assyrian Empire gathering strength surrounding them, looking as though they're about to swallow God's people up whole. And at this point in Isaiah 34 and 35, it's as if we zoom right out and we get a glimpse of the future, a future that's still to come, a future where judgment is coming, a future where joy is coming, a future where God's judgment takes place so that everlasting joy can take place. Why did God's people at this point need to hear this glimpse of the future? Why do we need to hear this glimpse of the future this morning, we're told in Isaiah 35, you flip over, if you've got your Bibles open, flip over the page, Isaiah 35, uh, verses 3 to 4. It says, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. The Holy Spirit uses these two chapters uh, for us, God's people today, followers of Jesus, to strengthen us, to encourage us. So we need to resist the temptation to maybe push away from Isaiah 34 to get to Isaiah 35. Judgment is coming so that everlasting joy might come. And if we're going to grasp that joy, we first of all need to understand and see that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming, says Isaiah 34. A chapter that's hard to hear. Isaiah doesn't hold back. He doesn't spare anyone's feelings. Which is something that everybody needs to hear because it involves everyone. 
And so we read at the very start in, in Isaiah 34 verse 1. Uh, Isaiah invites the whole world to listen in. And he says, come near you nations and listen. Pay attention you peoples. Let the earth hear and all that is in it. The world and all that comes out of it. Then we get this terrible description of God's coming judgment. Involves death. The picture of stars falling and dissolving, of the heavens being rolled up like a scroll, and, and we read it, and it, do you know what? It, it sounds like the end of the world. And that's because it is. And so we need to ask ourselves, well, why is this happening? Why is God's judgment coming? And I wonder if you noticed as Melissa was reading that uh, kind of through Isaiah 34, the target of God's judgment moves from everyone at the start to the people and nation of Edom. Edom were a people who, who would celebrate when bad things happened to God's people. If you like, Edom represented a world who was set against God and his people, unashamedly rejecting him, his ways in the world that he's made by the very people he created. In Isaiah 34, we have the language of destruction and desolation. It uses the language of animal sacrifice, the language of Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19, to give us a, a visual demonstration of just the devastating results of sin and selfishness. It's a terrible picture. It's a picture of, of life away from gladness and goodness, and joy. It's a picture of life away from God, and that decision being settled definitely and forever. So we read in verses 9 and 10 of Isaiah 34, Edom's streams will be turned into pitch, her dust into burning sulfur, her land will become blazing pitch. It will not be quenched night or day, its smoke will rise forever. Like generation to generation, it will lie desolate. No one will ever pass through it again. But this isn't God kind of cracking after bottling up his emotions like we do and finally exploding. This isn't like our anger so often is, an overreaction to what's gone on. No, no, if we read uh, in Chapter 34, verse 11, we hear that God will stretch over Edom the measuring line of chaos and the plumb line of desolation. God's judgment is measured. It's careful. It's just. Judgment is coming. It's not something to, to push away or to protest over. It's something that should strengthen and encourage our us in our everyday faith, in our small decisions of obedience, as well as our big moments of life decisions. And I want to suggest this morning that, that God's judgment is something we want to happen. If we look at chapter 34, verse 8, we read, For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of retribution to uphold Zion's cause. Zion is 
another way of talking about God's people. Here, here they were, 2,700 years ago, about to be wiped out by the Assyrian Empire and their God made a mockery of. If you were in their shoes, wouldn't you want a God who says, no, that's wrong, and I'm going to do something about that? Just, just imagine with me for a moment that your car or your, or your family's car is stolen. It's taken on a high-speed pursuit down the country lanes of Leicestershire, the kind of thing you see on programs like Police Interceptors. Eventually, the, your car is dumped into a farmer's field and then burnt to a crisp. Well, that would be a horrible experience. But then the police come to you and they say, well, we, we caught the people who did it. Isn't that great news? But then they turn around to you and say, but, but we let them go because it's just no big deal. How would you feel in that moment? I'd be fuming. I would be livid. That's not right. That's not just. See, deep down, we all want justice. We want wrongs to be declared to be wrong. And we want something to be done about them. We want a God who says, my judgment is coming. And we want a God who says, my judgment is coming so that everlasting joy might come. The everlasting joy we find in Isaiah 35. Uh, let's read uh, what it says in, in verse 1. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. Judgment is coming. So that everlasting joy might come. Now, uh, I'm very aware we don't live somewhere where it is hot and dry. Maybe you wish you did. So this image of the desert turning into the Chelsea flower show is probably lost on us a bit. So I want us to take us actually to the final two sentences of verse 10 of Isaiah 35. Uh, and this is what we read. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will they flee away just just take a moment to clock what is being said there sorrow and sighing disappearing like dirt disappears on a paving slab uh, when it's jet washed it's a time coming when there's going to be nothing to sigh about. There's going to be nothing to make your heart sink. There's going to be no frustrations at work or school. There's going to be no disappointments from people. There's going to be no anxiety over the future. There's going to be no painful Mother's Days. There's going to be no stories of abuse. There are going to be no pandemics and no lockdowns. There's going to be no description. And there is going to be no woman who feels fearful walking down any road by themselves. Sorrow and, uh, and sighing flee because gladness and joy overtake and take hold and don't let go. Our experiences of joy now are just a glimpse, a taster of what's to come. Everlasting joy is coming. 
because God's judgment is coming. And I know that talk of God's judgment, well, it, it puts us on edge. When we think about it, often we're not strengthened and encouraged. Instead, I know I'm aware of, of the things I'm responsible for, for the wrongs I've done, for the hurt and damage I've caused. And what's true of me, I know is true of others. And I know that God will call those wrongs to be wrong and do something about them. We don't have to stay feeling on edge. We can be strengthened and encouraged because of what we read in verses 5 and 6 of chapter 35. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Familiar words, perhaps, because they were words Jesus reached for in Matthew 11 to help explain what was going on around him, that God's promised true king has arrived, that joy is starting to break in, that the way to everlasting joy has been opened. Because God in Jesus on the cross, took the full force of his own judgment on our sin and our selfishness. And the full force of that judgment for anyone and everyone who puts their trust in him, who builds their life on him, who goes all in for him. So if you're watching this this morning and you're a Christian, then then know that judgment is done. The price is paid. Forgiveness is won for you and for anyone around you. No matter who they are, no matter what their story is. And we can be confident in this. Because three days after his death on the cross, Jesus was raised to life once again. And the way to everlasting joy opened. In a few weeks time, we are going to be declaring that Easter means hope. We're going to be reminding ourselves. We're going to be declaring it to our community through cards that are going to go out to people's, uh, different people in, 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 our, in our parish. And we are going to, I pray, share that with those around us who don't yet know Jesus. Easter means hope. Judgment is coming so that everlasting joy might come. If you're watching this, and maybe you wouldn't yet call yourself a Christian, judgment is coming. And know that Jesus talks about God's judgment a lot. And the reason he does is, is to give a warning so that nobody would experience it. And instead, they would experience everlasting joy with him. Judgment is coming so that everlasting joy might come. So we as God's redeemed and rescued people can be strengthened and encouraged today. And we can look to strengthen and encourage one another. Just one way we can do that at the moment is by making these five-second videos for next Sunday, sharing what it is that God has taught us about himself over the last 12 months. Next Sunday, we're going to be marking the anniversary since the first lockdown. And that opportunity to, to share a video, I mean, why bother doing it? Well, remember how good in the summer it was to have all those hello videos and to see each other. 
but also to hear what God has been doing. I realize making a video might not be everybody's cup of tea. You could, you could write it down and take a photo and send it in. You could just write something in an email and send it to me so that we can include it. Why? Why? Well, because of what it says in Isaiah 35, verses 3 and 4. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Amen.